Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London, I'm Josh Noble. Today we're discussing how climate change is opening up new commercial possibilities for shipping companies. Danish company Maersk confirmed this week that it was about to launch its first container ship on an Arctic route over the top of Russia. Katie Martin discusses the new route with Richard Milne, our Nordics correspondent, and Henry Foy, our Moscow correspondent. So, Richard, tell us about Maersk's decision here. It feels like a kind of moment in time in the climate change debate and, you know, a lot of other kind of commercial issues. When was this decision taken and what's made it possible? You're absolutely right, Katie. Just a couple of years ago, Maersk dismissed this route as being sort of 20 years away from being commercial, far too much sea ice. I think it's really a sign of just how fast the Arctic is melting. They were in discussions with Russian officials at the end of last year, and they put in a permit. There's only a narrow window that you can sail this route. This boat that will eventually ply the the Baltic Sea has just been built in China, and so they are sailing it essentially from China via Vladivostok over the top of Russia to St. Petersburg. And do they think this is, you know a one-off or are they expecting this to be like a regular route for them? Well, I think they didn't really want this story to be discovered. They just wanted to quietly sail through as a bit of a test to see how it would go. They are selling it as a one-off. There are a number of drawbacks that mean that it really can't compete with the Suez Canal at the moment, not least that you can only sail through it a few months a year. But what are the advantages to Maersk for doing this? I mean, it's a significantly shorter, quicker route, right, from Vladivostok right over the top to St. Petersburg? Yes, well, time saving is probably the biggest advantage from China, from Shanghai to Rotterdam. It's thought that it could shave one or two weeks, potentially a third, 40% of the journey time off. And that's obviously a big prize. But then there are the drawbacks. Only three months a year. One of the good things about obviously going from Shanghai to Rotterdam is you've got a lot of other ports along the way where you can stop and pick up and drop off on the way. And there's also a cost element at the moment. You need to use nuclear pad, icebreakers. And finally, there's a size element. The ship that Maersk is going to send through is about 3,600 containers. They just sent me a message saying they'd sailed their first ever container ship that was over 19,000 containers. That's the kind of size that normally goes through the Suez Canal. So at the moment, it's a niche product, if that, I would say. So, Henry, how do the Russians feel about this project, if you like? I mean, there isn't an awful lot in between the two major ports on either side of Russia, right? What are the commercial and strategic opportunities for them here? Yeah, Katie, that's right. And Russia, I think, will see this announcement by Maersk as something of vindication of their strategy. They've had their eyes on this prize for a long time now, at least a decade, which they believe very strongly in Moscow that the Europeans, at least, have not really seen the great potential of the Arctic. They've obviously been drilling for oil and gas in the Arctic for a while now, and Novatech, which is Russia's largest private gas producer, has set up an LPG plant right, sort of sat bang in the middle and has already started shipments of this liquid natural gas to China through the Arctic route. They see that as the main reason of why they built it there, and they believe that they can prove that you can sail all year round without nuclear icebreakers. 
On the political and strategic side, the Russian government spending lots of money on beefing up its military bases in the Arctic, opening up some Soviet-era bases that were mothballed, and also striking deals with the Chinese government in terms of uh, allowing Chinese ships access in exchange for investment. The Chinese put a lot of money into Novatek's LNG plant that I just mentioned. They're also putting a bit of money, we believe, into the second plant and also are looking to invest in potentially a couple of terminals halfway along the way and on either end, in Murmansk on the western side and somewhere near Kamchatka on the eastern side, which would give ships places to stop off if the weather was bad or if they wanted to refuel. Say they did stop off in these places. Are there any other commercial ventures in that part of the world? I mean, you mentioned the LNG shipments, if you like, that they can punt around, but Richard, this particular ship is a cargo ship of standard, what, consumer goods? I mean, do you think it's possible that this will end up being more of an LNG stop-off point than a commercial route? I think the experts at the moment say it's very much for destination shipping. So that would be taking LNG or other natural resources out of Russia. The case for commercial container shipping really is some distance off Somewhat bizarrely, Maersk say that the few things that they'll comment on that are actually being transported are frozen fish and refrigerated cargo, which um, may seem slightly odd to transport by the Arctic. But it's a standard container ship that will have what they call reefers, which are called refrigerator containers as well. But I think what Maersk has been interested in, has been looking at a little bit, is Costco, which is a Chinese shipping company. It's been sending not container ships, but it's been sending sort of multi-purpose vessels through that can take all sorts of things. And the few cargoes that we do know that they've transported have been things like wind turbine parts, blades for wind turbines, and some sort of heavy machinery. And I think there's a feeling that Maersk didn't want to leave this route for the Chinese. And I think that's probably mirrored a geopolitical level as well. China is incredibly interested in the Arctic and there's a feeling that maybe some of the other European Arctic states and the US maybe aren't as interested. Henry, do you get the sense that the Russians are courting other shipping companies to get involved in this? You know, to what extent is Maersk being a real trailblazer here? Yeah, I mean, as Richard said, you know, Costco has been doing this since 2013. The Russians have been for a few years now testing the waters, so to speak, to see how possible this is. I think the Russians, as I said earlier, believe they've got a real head start on the Europeans and potentially the Americans too. There's a lot of talk of setting up some kind of Arctic Council or some kind of geopolitical body that might NATO-style govern defence and security issues. The Russians obviously hold all the cards there, given that so much of it is through their territory. And China is the main prize here. This is about who can get their goods to China quickest and cheapest. I think it really will come down to how much Moscow is willing to make money, if you like, by commercialising this route versus keeping control of it in a defence and strategic way. And like I said, these bases that they're building up there are equipped with both ships and planes. And I think Russia definitely sees the Arctic as a place where they will call the shots, they will decide who has access, which is why the early steps have been taken hand in hand with Beijing. It's obviously worth mentioning here that China sees the Arctic route as something in parallel, if you like, with the One Belt, One Road initiative, which of course runs over land through Mongolia, Kazakhstan and Eastern Europe into Europe. They see the Arctic as a way that that might also be extended, that kind of strategy of China building relationships with countries along the way to make goods transfers and logistics easier to both buy and sell to Europe. So what are the major potential problems here? I mean, clearly, it's pretty cold up there. And as you were saying, the route is only open for, what is it, three months 
a year. I mean, what are the other problems? What makes it difficult for shipping companies to do this on a regular basis? The thickness of the ice is a big issue. At the moment, all ships that go through the Northern Sea Route need nuclear-powered icebreakers to go through. There's a hope that maybe that won't be the case, but that obviously also puts a lot of the control for the route in Russia's hands, which may make people slightly uneasy as well. So I think that probably trumps everything else in a sense, because most container shipping companies offer almost like a FedEx style service. You can deliver your goods, whatever they are, whether they're iPads or T-shirts on a Monday or on a Wednesday. And you know that in X number of days, they'll be in Europe. And that is the other thing, the reliability, that just-in-time supply element is tricky when you go through the Arctic. But this is a long-term play. I think this should be seen as a kind of test balloon for something that maybe in 10, 15, 20 years, if the ice keeps on melting, could be something. And I think, therefore, that's why it's been getting a lot of attention, because it's obviously it's a really concrete sign of the impact that global warming is having. But just on that point, Richard, how did they sort of square that issue off with the public? They don't want to appear happy about climate change happening at a significantly more rapid rate than they thought. But they also obviously see the opportunity here. It's difficult for them to square this one off. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why they're just not commenting at all. The very terse sort of confirmation when we found out about it, they're saying they're not going to comment after the voyage is over. As I say, I think they probably rather wanted to do this in the quiet. Container shipping has a lot of environmental challenges. I mean, it uses heavy fuel, which is extremely polluting. Uh, and that could well be an issue. The maritime authorities have tried to put in a polar code to regulate shipping in the Arctic, particularly to do with pollution. And so there are all these issues colliding together, really. That was Katie Martin talking to Richard Milne and Henry Foy. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more news next week. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offers at ft.com forward slash offer.